everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. We are here for another edition of our pay-per-view retrospectives. Tonight we're doing TNA Against All Odds. I am your host, Dan Hummer, and I'm here with the third bushwhacker, Doug. Hello. Uh, my handsome little man, Eric's here. What's up? And we have uh, a beautiful man, Chocolate Thunder, Clintus. What's up? I'm not sure how I feel about the whole Chocolate Thunder part, but whatever. I'll I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can always cut it out. <laughs> I just thought it was a good... Uh, but uh, Clintus here. We're all here tonight. Uh, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Hello. How about yourself? How was everybody's week? I had a good week. Well, that's good to know. Did you have a good week, Doc? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. We all had a good week. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to watching SmackDown tonight. Yeah. Royal Rumble. So yeah, we have... We we have the workers of the week. Uh, Royal Rumble was this week, so it was it was a big week in wrestling. Obviously, uh, AEW had some pretty big stuff going on this week too. But yeah, which I didn't watch because we were watching against all odds. But I'll start, and I'm I'm gonna have to give worker of the week to Cody Rhodes. Right. Because uh, that comeback win, yes, it was pretty. I mean, we all guessed it. We all thought it was going to happen. I think a lot of the wrestling community knew that it was going to happen, but I still think it was the best way to end that match. And I thought he put on a hell of a performance. Him and Walter were really good. Walter was another one. And my, I, I didn't put Logan Paul because I feel like I've been kissing his ass too much on the show. But he had an incredible moment when the two, uh, you know, flew at each other, uh, him and Ricochet. But I'd have to go Cody. I thought... That that men's rumble match was the best match on the card for me. Yeah. And I thought Cody, you know, it was iconic. I thought it was great, and I like the story that he's on with Dusty, not with that, but like trying to w- win the big one because his dad never did. Yeah. And beat Roman at WrestleMania. I just I like all the directions it's going, so I'm into it. Uh, Clinton, who's your worker of the week? Well, if I want to have to. I was going. I want to give it to Walter. Because he did set the record, beat Rey Mysterio's time. You know he lost. He he did an outstanding job in the Rumble, so I have to give it to him. All right. Want me to go next? Yeah. Uh. And I, again, like I don't. Well, you're not supposed to like her because she's a heel, but I gotta say Rhea Ripley. Because uh, she enters number one, her and Liv Morgan last the entire time. Which, by the way, has not been done since 1995 when Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog did it. But that Royal Rumble match, it was every minute that a new participant was coming in. And that match only lasted like 40 minutes. This one goes an hour and two minutes, and it was... They both did a hell of a job. Yeah, for sure. Eric, who's your worker of the week? Kevin Owens. He had one hell of a match with Roman Reigns. And I'll, I'll add with Sami Zayn, too, but 
just because it's the end. But yeah, Kevin Owens. Um, he's over with the crowd as usual, and he had a fantastic match with uh, Roman Reigns. Absolutely. And I got I got to say this about the Royal Rumble pay per view. And I, I, people are saying that, like, it was kind of a so-so pay-per-view that was kind of saved by the ending. Yeah. You and I have kind of disagreed about uh, have disagreed about that because we enjoyed the entire pay-per-view, but the ending went too long. Right? Uh, I mean, the ending felt like it was starting from the middle of the show. It went, it, it went that long. Uh, but, and I, I've seen certain people and Eric, I got to call out another uh, buddy of yours, uh, old fuckhead Frankie, uh, because yeah, we actually disagreed and I was the one that was actually positive this time. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Like when he's saying, I can't believe people actually think this was a, let people think what they're, what they want to think you fucking bastards. Like, I am so sick of it. I mean, I keep getting, like, uh, suggestions to join this group that Eric and this guy are in. Because I've been in a group like this before, but I left the group because the guy just irritated me. Uh, But, like, but this guy, and he does it to Eric all the time to where, like, he really, he disagrees with Eric's opinions and makes fun of Eric's opinions. And, and, well, makes fun of a lot of people's opinions because they don't agree with him. But then when you say, hey, look, we're allowed to have that. I never said you couldn't have that opinion. Yes, you did. That was your post, you fucking asshole. It's just, I, I guess my point is just that, like, it's okay to not like the Royal Rumble, but it's also, like, it's okay to like, the, it's okay if you like it, it's okay if you didn't like it. Don't criticize somebody just because they liked it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I want to know, though, which one of you assholes let this piece of shit back in the old school group. Or, well, it's not old school anymore. It's wrestling through the years. After I kicked him out, I found him back in. I didn't. I, I was surprised. He was, I thought you did kick him out. I did, I did. But the fact that he's, I mean, I got to go back and kick him out again because I do not <laughs> want him in the group. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess we found your corporate. Huh? I guess we found your answer. Who let him back in the group? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't give oh. a shit. I, I really don't. I agree. Like, I thought it went too long. I did. I thought it was stupid. But I didn't, like... I did not like what was happening. It's just I already kind of knew about it, and uh, like I like we all kind of figured that was going to happen. Yeah. And it's like we've seen this type of thing. So like, how can it be the best ending ever? Like people are calling it the best ending to a pay per view, and that's where I'm getting like, what? Because like I was standing there like this needs to end soon. Like Sammy had the chair in his hand for minutes, and it's like, dude, just fucking hit him. Like I I thought it was cool, but I don't think like it could have easily ended with Cody Rhodes winning the rumble. I would have been happier probably. Yeah. I would have been like, Oh, that's a big, nice moment to end that. 
Yeah, it it did go too long. You could have they could have cut out five minutes from that. That's the only clip yeah. I have. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the I thought the women's rumble was good too. I I liked the whole. I don't know how it was so so. I thought it was good. I mean, I think people didn't like the the Mountain Dew kitchen lag thing. I thought it was fun. And it, it, you know, they weren't necessarily a fan of Bianca and Alexa. But here's the thing: obviously, WWE liked the Mount uh, the the pitch black match because another because Cinnamon Toast Crunch is going to sponsor a match at WrestleMania. <laughs> That's hilarious, Vincent Man. No, we don't know if that. We don't know if it's Vince or not. I mean, it makes sense. Why not? It's money. Fuck it. I mean, as far as far as I know, right now, a, a report came in that Vince has Vince has nothing to do with creative right now. I wonder if they're gonna do like a gimmick match, like do a, a deal with DiGiorno, where you gotta like put your opponent in the oven or something. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman versus Hornswoggle. Yeah. Oh boy! Or like, what if it? What if it's a scaffold match, but underneath there's a big pool of milk, and that's the cinnamon toast match? Oh, the cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, and you gotta like throw your opponent in the big bowl of cereal or something. Is that you know what? It's stupid as that sounds. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm into what it, cause cinnamon toast crunch is like my top five favorite cereals. Okay, yeah. it's got CT attached to it. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm into it, you know, whatever they decide to do, you know, let them do it. Yeah. But yeah, I thought the rumble was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, boys. Or men. Or men. The TNA Against All Odds 2008, uh, Kind of just opening thoughts going into this, Clinton. Did you ever watch this pay per view before this week, or, or did you go into this thing fresh like I did? All right. So I will say I looked at it fresh. We're talking. I haven't watched the old, old, old school TNA pay per view in long in years since 2008. So over 12 years. So. So it's not like I have a refresher. Of what's going on? What's going? What's going into the thing? So I was ice cold. In it. Yeah, just, same. I was ice cold in it. Storylines everywhere. It's just like brand new to the point that hey, maybe I can pick up somewhere and go. <laughs> go and watch something new besides the network all this, all day long. If I can yeah. find the rest of the library. But it was okay. From it was, I'll say this: going in, I gave, I went in with an open mind, not, I would say, judgmental like I usually do with some of these pay per views I watch. Okay. Uh, Eric, what about you? Was this your first time go, going in this thing, or did you see it in the past? No, this is the first time I saw the pay per view, but I, I kind of knew the background, the storyline, bit of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of need back background. 
I'm like, Doug. How about it? I mean, I uh, I watched TNA a lot back then. So like 2000, uh, like 2008, I would watch. I wouldn't watch it on Thursday nights because I was always working, but I would catch the replay on Saturdays because Spike TV used to do. Uh, well, up until probably 2000, probably about 2010 ish. Because uh, they quit doing the replays, they would do the they would do the replay on Saturday night from like you actually usually from like eleven to one, so it wouldn't even be like a prime time replay. It would be like eleven to one. So I kind of remember everything that was going on. I didn't remember the full match card match card at that point, but I knew like some of the big ones. Yeah. So like I was kind of looking forward to it. I kind of knew the results. But, like, if there was a few matches on there when I saw it. I was just like, holy shit, this actually happened? Yeah. Uh, it was a good pay-per-view. Let's, let's start it. Let's go in. Uh, obviously, Tanay and Don West are our commentators. The attendance is 3,500. We're at the Bilow Center in Greenville, South Carolina. With a lot of wrestling history. The tagline is barbed wired. Yeah, because of the barbed wire massacre that they wouldn't even allow in uh, in South Carolina. Oh yeah, they didn't even do that at the pay per view, right? They did it. Well, no. it aired on the pay per view, but they taped it two weeks early. They did it like or in Orlando. In Orlando, yes. Yeah. So this one, and this is our second TNA pay per view that we're doing because we want to do more of these. But it's also the first one where there's not a huge fire that wipes out half the show. Yeah. So that's cool. Now, opening match, because we got quite a few storylines, but we'll get into it when we get into the matches. Our opening match is BG James. If you're not familiar, he also goes by a name called Road Dog. Yeah. The D-O-double-G. Is teaming with his father, the bullet, Bob Armstrong, who's about, what, 50-something here or 60? 67. Here. Yeah. He's 67 at the pay-per-view. Yes. And they're wrestling against... That's what they said. And they're wrestling against Tomko, who somehow became a big deal, which I don't understand, and AJ Styles, the, the GOAT. Right. Uh, I don't have a lot of positives to say about this match because it kind of pissed me off, but... uh. I'll, I'll pass it to you guys. What did you guys think? Anybody can talk. I mean, I, it was... I thought... Go ahead, oh. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. Uh, I, I thought it was all right. I didn't think his father needed to be in the match. I thought it should have been... I thought it should have been um, Billy Gunn. Uh, Road Dog versus Jay and uh, Tomko. I think that would have been better. Other than that, it was, it, it was below average. No, nothing special. Well, I think it, were, it wasn't going to be Billy Gunn because they knew that they were going to split Road Dog and Billy up. Yeah, oh, okay. but that's a good final match to have with, with AJ and Tom Cole. To me, it just felt like a waste of one of the best wrestlers of all time. Tom Cole? No, not Tom Cole, you fucking... <laughs> A, like, 
AJ got trapped with bullshit here. Like I liked his heel gimmick with Tomko and Christian and stuff, but after turning on Christian, you know, and Christian's a babyface now, like, and I guess Tomko is too until the end. We'll get to that. But fucking AJ Styles, you're gonna make him wrestle Bob Armstrong, and no offense to Bob Armstrong, he's great, but he's fucking sixty-seven years old. Right. They can't move. And I get BG wanting to tag with his father. He wants to win the titles with his father instead of Kip again. And this was, as a result of Feast or Fire, this is the tag title match he earned. Yeah. But uh, it was, for weeks, it was uh, pretty much they had no clue. Like, because BG had said, my partner's to be determined, and... Kip is just like, what do you mean to be determined? I'm your, I'm your partner. And then like they were split up because at the time they were also being managed by Roxy Laval. Like she was with them because they were known as the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Yeah. And she was the Voodoo Kin. Right, yeah. And then so she ends up, she's managing them. But then they end up dropping her because then she starts doing, I think she started working babyface. Yeah. And they were technically still heel, you know, for a little while. But, yeah, no, this was pretty, yeah, this was a result of Feaster fired. And, you know, Bob Armstrong kind of had, because people within TNA management were very high on Bob Armstrong. Well, Jeff Jarrett, Dutch Mantel, and Jim Cornette. That's fine. You're talking about him like he's a young upstart. <laughs> you can be very high on him, but he's 67 <laughs> years old. Yeah. He's old. Like, there's no reason for him to be here. It's over. He's done. Like, why? And I guess, and Ric Flair's probably listening. like, fuck you. Because he'll, he'll wrestle till he's 100. But and he'll be having his 19th final match. But it's just... It doesn't make sense to me. I understand. If you're going to do something like this, put them against, like, if the Young Bucks aren't there yet, right? No. As Generation Me. But put them against, like, a stupid team, you know, or, like, I don't know, anybody. But not AJ. And Tomko, who I don't give a fuck about Tomko. But... And, and the stupid part with AJ was he was doing that whole Prince of Phenomenal thing. He yeah. had the crown on his head. And by the way, the gimmick was he had a huge crush on Karen Jarrett. Yeah. Because Kurt at the time was whoring off his wife. Yeah. I. That's one of the things that she got, you know, AJ to join the Angle Alliance Force because AJ was promised, and I'm not making this up, AJ was promised sex with Karen. Storyline. Storyline, yeah. Storyline sex. Yeah. And then, like, even, like, when beforehand, when he was trying to get uh, Tomko back in the Angle Alliance, he's like, you get all the perks, you get Karen. He goes, why would I want Karen? Well, Karen can take care of your needs. And Tomko's just like, Kurt, I'm married. And then, you know, Tomko made fun of, or Kurt made fun of Tomko's wife, so that's when Tomko beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually started Tomko. We thought was going to be a baby face. Yeah. But, you know, it didn't happen. No, it didn't. It's just, it felt like AJ was always heads and shoulders above everybody else, but they always gave him bullshit to do. Yeah, well, because they knew how loyal he was and they knew he would do it. Yeah. 
It just sucks, though, because he was like the Cena for them, and they just never really used him properly in my eyes. Oh, no, not at all. Until, like, like 2010 and stuff, and beyond that. But, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Clintus, what did you think of this match? Let's just put it this way. I think I agree. I see why uh, BG wanted to team with his father. But team with his father made the match not what it used to be. Now, I'm a big fan of AJ Styles. Don't get me wrong. And the whole story about can they be a team, knowing that what can happen, really threw a wrench into the match. It made the match work for me. Knowing that they're not sure they're going to be able to cooperate if if Kyle Cole's teaming with Christian, while AJ Styles is backing up Angle, can they defend the titles? Gave Road um, Road Dog and his father and his father a little bit of an edge in my game wise. Yeah. So that's what I enjoyed. That's what I got from the match. The match itself was eh, but leading up to it and why it was set up like that, I understand why. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd give this like a four out of ten. I'll say four and a half. Next we have eight and a half. I think he said three. Three. Clement? I think we'll go to three. All right. Next we have Peyton Banks. Also goes by the name as Rain against Tracy Brooks. Uh, this sucked, and it was two women that didn't know how to work. Tracy was kind of over in TNA, but she really didn't do anything. I never really liked her. So the whole storyline here was Tracy Brooks was working for Robert Roode at the time. Robert Roode at the last pay-per-view punched uh, Charmel in the face because she wanted to stop him from verbally abusing Tracy. He thought it was Booker coming up and sneaking behind him, so he punched Charmel in the face. The gimmick was he was a chauvinistic pig who hated women or who wanted to just, you know, berate him or whatever. Yes. Uh, and then they were doing a, a deal where uh, Peyton Banks took over for Miss Brooks and became his new assistant. She lasted about two months. And it was actually, uh, like, by the time lockdown came, like they actually knew, but because they had advertised a match, it was going to be uh, Booker teaming with Charmel to take on uh, Rude and Peyton inside the uh, Six Sides of Steel. They knew like three weeks before lockdown that they wanted to get rid of her because she, uh, she was like, they had no use for her. Yeah, she sucked. She couldn't work that well. Yeah. And the whole like me mad teacher, like, the whole professor chick thing that even they did with Tracy, I, I never really understood. Was right. Her. Yeah, it was it was fucking dumb. 
It was super dumb. I thought it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the match is a two out of ten for me. It didn't do anything. I would say one and a half. And I like Tracy. I want to agree with both your points. And I want to give it a one. I'll give it a, a one. Absolutely. So none of us liked it. None of us. I wasn't even paying attention that much because it was so dumb. All right, third match in, and this is where shit starts to pick up a little bit. Yeah. We have Petey Williams and Scott Steiner. Now, Petey Williams, uh, when do they get together? Like, turn into buddies soon after this? Or? I think like a month after. Okay. Like, because I'm pretty sure he started, because uh, Petey dyed his hair at some point. Yes, I remember that. And I'm pretty sure it was actually at because uh, I think they started teaming like right after this. Okay. Because uh, Scott Steiner was going to mold Petey in the little Petey pump. Because like Petey Williams, for some reason, they felt like they needed uh, a character like Chris Masters. That's why, like, Petey Williams was doing the Maple Leaf muscle and the poses, and yeah. he had kind of the Chris Masters tights, and and Petey Williams, who was 5'7", 165 pounds. But the Canadian Destroyer is still one of the greatest finishing moves of all Oh, time. exactly. And he could work. Uh his promo sucked beforehand, and it went too long. Right, which is... And Steiner's what? trying to sell it, like, oh, like, really, like, like nodding his head and stuff. Like, so Steiner's trying to act like he's saying good shit, but he wasn't. He was being annoying. Yeah, and first of all, well, first of all, Scott Steiner should not be judging anybody's promos. Yeah, and he wasn't. He was, but he was, he liked it. That's how you know it was bad. Yeah. Uh, the match itself, though, I thought it actually kind of worked for what it was. And I like the whole storyline of Petey getting the world title case and fucking Scott Steiner getting the X Division and now Steiner's pissed. And... Okay, so that's actually Scott's fault. I know. So they did a uh, a four-way match. Uh, well, first of all, they all did the Feast or Fire, right? Yeah. And then they did a fatal four-way, which was Scott Steiner, Petey Williams, Curry Man, or not Curry Man, Christopher Daniels, this is before he became Curry Man and BD James. Yes. If you win, you could either keep your case or you could switch it. Scott Steiner beat Petey Williams. So he switched his case with Petey's. <laughs> Turns out Scott Steiner had the X Division title shot the entire time. Or, or Scott Steiner had the world title shot the entire time. And Petey ended up with it. So they were kind of so Scott Steiner fucked himself over. Yeah. So they kind of did this feud or whatever, uh, and they tried. I think they actually tried teaming at some point, and then they're like, "Fuck it, we'll just go. We'll do case for case." I personally kind of liked everything they did together. Steiner and Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Because then Steiner takes him under his wing after, right? Because yeah. Of... And he becomes little Petey Pump, and yeah. I thought all that stuff was good. Yeah, I thought yeah, well, it got PD the X Division title, you know, later on. Because Scott Steiner handed him the case at here. 
I don't need it. You're the X Division guy. Take it. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Because yeah. Steiner's not going to fucking challenge for the X Division title. No, not at all. Even though technically no. it, uh, there were no weight limits in the X Division. When does he uh, sign on for the world title? When does he have the match? Sacrifice uh, of that year, so May. Is it with Kurt? Uh, Joe. Okay. All right. Uh, well, and that's kind of a story in itself because it was supposed to be a three-way because Kurt got himself into the match. Yeah. And it was supposed to be Joe and Kurt and Scott Steiner. Kurt Angle couldn't pass a physical that day. Really? Yeah. So he got taken out. Frankie Kazarian got put in because he won the X Division Escape match. Oh, shit. Or what was called the Terror Dome. Uh, um, and then called the Asylum match later on. They called it the Terror Dome at first, but that's uh, before they realized that Terror Dome was actually already copyrighted and they couldn't use the name. <laughs> Uh, what would you give it? Was it a WCW name, right? Yeah. Uh, I would give the I would give this match a six out of ten. I give it a six too. I'll give it a six. I give it a five. Eric's such a downer. All right. Next match we have Eric Young and James Storm with Jackie. I loved this match. It was actually pretty good. I like Eric getting upset or scared by his own pyro. Eric Young was such a great character back then. He was he was always good. I I didn't even I thought it was cool when he won the world title. That that was funny. I mean, even though it was a whole play on they were trying to copy what Daniel Bryan did. Yeah. But I thought it was I yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed Eric I, I enjoy him more as a babyface than I do here. Yeah. Okay, but I've always enjoyed what he's done, and like when he, uh, like this whole run back here. By the way, this whole thing was set up because beer, uh, no beer. I almost called him Beer Storm. Uh, James Storm was the beer drinking champion of the world. Yeah. Well, him and Eric had a drinking contest. Storm passed out. Eric Young was still awake. So he took the belt. Uh, And then him and Storm had a couple of matches. He beat Storm. And then they did another deal where uh, this match was going to be for the beer drinking championship. Because Storm beat the shit out of him at one point. He's like, I want my strap back. Eric won another beer drinking contest. Storm beat the shit out of him. They had another match, which Eric had won. I think they worked together like the last three pay-per-views. And Storm didn't get any Ws? He would finally get it back. He won the belt back in the ladder match. Okay. Yeah, I thought this, like, the angle was kind of dumb to me, but I thought the match was really good. What did you think, Clinton? <sighs> I, li- I like the match. And... I was a big fan of, like the beer, um, the whole beer drinking contest, the the whole beer game um, title back in the day too. So yeah, it was good, different. 
How about you, Eric? I said the match was okay. Uh, I just thought the match shouldn't have been on the card, but the match itself was uh, good. Uh, all right, Doug. Give it a rating. I give the match. I give the match a seven out of ten. I go seven as well. I go six and a half. Anybody else? Give the match a rating, guys. Uh, I, get, I give it six and a half. I give it a seven. All right. Awesome Kong and ODB for the TNA Knockouts Championship. You seem to like this yesterday. Go in depth, Douglas. All right. Uh, I need to get a bottle of water. So this match, pretty much, is Awesome Kong finally gets the belt from Gail Kim, which was stupid because Gail Kim beat her at uh, final resolution and then... Uh, like four days later, Kong won the belt from her. And then uh, they do the, you know, they do the thing because ODB was like the next like popular knockout. So they're like, all right, we'll put the two of them together. And because ODB was one of the toughest bitches in the locker room. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this was a good clash of two powerhouses. Yeah. I thought it worked for what it was. It, it did. And I've always been a fan of ODB. Because to be honest, I actually low-key thought she was kind of hot. She was kind of hot. <sighs> yeah. Wait, ODB? Yeah. Queen of the trailer park. I mean, Okay. <laughs> I mean, she's a lot better looking than half the women in the trailer park we grew up in. I mean, they were all 75, but... I like Awesome Kong. <laughs> I thought it was a good match, though, and it's like, it, especially around this time where you still have, you know, divas on the other channel. Yeah. And over here you have two, like, badass broads going at it. I thought it worked. I thought it was good. I give the match a 6 out of 10. I'll say six, too. I thought it was a fun match. I'll give it a seven out of ten. I'll give it a six. I thought it was the best match so far on the card. You thought it was the best match on the card? No, so far at this Oh, yeah. I'd agree. All right, next up we have Abyss and Judas Messias, also known as Ricky Banderas. Yeah. And Mil Mortez. Yeah. And El Jefe in MLW right now. Oh, he's not even going by Mil Mortez in uh, MLW? I don't know, maybe. Uh, I, I thought this was pretty good. I, like, they were really trying to do the Undertaker Kane thing here. Yeah. With the brothers and, the, and Father James Mitchell being kind of like a Paul Bear. And it's just, it felt very kind of done before. The whole thing. It felt like Undertaker. Been there, been there. So, all right. So they tried to recreate. The, they tried to do this months earlier in October because they were going to have something done at Bound for Glory. 
the Monsters Ball where it was uh, Black Rain, who also at one time was Gold Dust. Yeah. Black Rain, Rhino, Abyss, and it ended up being Raven. Yeah. But it was supposed to be Judas. It was supposed to be Judas Macias, but Judas Macias got injured in Puerto Rico as Ricky Banderas. Yeah. All right. Because Ricky Banderas liked to do, because uh, the gym that they always wrestled in in Puerto Rico, where they did a lot of the majority of their of their TVs. Yeah. Uh, for the IWA. Or I don't even know if they were still IWA at the time. They might even be, uh, it might have been World Wrestling Council, but I think it was IWA. Anyway, so like, the balcony that they do, Ricky Banderas, along with this other guy, Slash Venom, used to jump off the balcony a lot. Well, when Ricky Banderas went to jump off the balcony during the match with Vampiro, uh, he was supposed to land on Vampiro, but Vampiro said, fuck this, got out of the way, and Ricky Banderas basically smacked himself on the fucking, uh, on the gym, hardwood gym floor they're in a gymnasium. Yeah. On the hardwood gym floor and fucked up his back. Jesus. So, all because Vampiro's like, I ain't gonna fucking catch you. Uh, usually, God, fuck. Uh, so, he ended up having to be taken out of the match at Bound for Glory. So, they had to hold off on doing the storyline uh, for a couple of months. And the storyline pretty much was James Mitchell is the father of Abyss. And like the whole year before, there was like this big secret that Abyss had. Uh, you know, uh, Abyss shot his father, uh, or supposedly shot his father, uh, or the mother shot him, or whatever. It turns out that it was actually. Uh, that Chris or that Abyss uh, in storyline like Abyss went to jail for his mother because his mother tried to kill his father which happens in everyday life uh, um and was Russo here uh, yeah I'm pretty sure this was him makes sense and, but like uh, James Mitchell kind of held this thing over Abyss's head because every time Abyss wanted to do the right thing uh, Father Mitchell would be like, eh, eh, I know your secret. You tried to kill me. I'll tell people if you disobey me. Uh, so it's just, you know, so it, it went on for a long time. And after a while, it got kind of stupid. Yeah. And I like Father Mitchell, but it was a bit much. Yeah, because it went on for over a year. And then, like, even when Sting was involved, uh, like, there was even a point where, uh, you know, at lockdown the year before, Sting and Abyss, like, Kurt Angle was trying to get them to be on, on his team for a lot, or at least a lockdown. And what? Eric, you there? I'm mm-hmm. here. Oh, there. Right. All right, good. But, like, there, there was a... What? Can you hear Doug? 
Yeah, we can hear. Okay, Doug, keep going. Quit stopping. Uh, well, Eric's got a quick saying hello. Yeah, I know. Uh, Finish your thought, please. So they had the uh, deal where um, Stang, or Stang was trying to get a bit to join up with him, and Father Mitchell's just like, I don't want him to join up with you. All right, if he does join up with you, I'm going to turn him into the authorities. He's going to go to jail. Yeah. But then finally, Abyss is just like, fuck you, and turned on him anyway. But it was a whole, a whole long, drawn-out... Yeah, it was a bunch of fucky shit. Yeah. And it was too much, and it felt kind of treading the same water. It felt kind of corny. But the match itself, I thought, was brutal fun. Yeah. Because I, I always... Li- like, Banderas was, was fine. He's always been an okay worker. And Abyss is good. So it was like two big men that like can go at it, and they, they had a lot of fun together. Uh I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was actually a pretty good brutal. I don't think it should have sold the whole pay-per-view like they kind of had it, especially when it wasn't even fucking there. Right. But uh, I thought for what it was, it, it was all right. It was pretty fun. Barbed wire matches aren't my favorite gimmick matches, but I didn't hate that. What do you think, Clinton? See, I like barbed wire matches. And I like how the fact barbed wire... Because it reminds me of, like, ECW. You know? One of my favorite things in ECW was the barbed wire matches. Because it was different. Now, do I agree, like, storyline and stuff? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe so, but it seems like in TNA Abyss, so it's like the founder found... It's always had one person It's like a founding founder of this match, and this is like a Abyss type of style match that his and his only to have when it first came out. He had it with um, what? McFoley, and then this is like, bar, this is what? Part two, Bar Wire Match. This was the second one. The first one was Sabu. Yeah, yep. all right, Sabu. 2005. Oh. So yeah, I I like barbed wire matches because I like just not seeing ropes and then having because it makes you wonder how they gonna get in there, how they gonna the whole rules change. So yeah, I want to give it a seven out of ten. Very good. I mean, I'm giving it a seven and a half. A seven and a half. Yeah, I agree, with Doug. I enjoyed the match. I'd probably go I didn't watch the first one. Yeah. But I, I thought it was a very well done match. Yeah, it was pretty. And the right person won. So. Yes, the right person definitely won. All right, next up we have Booker T versus Robert Roode in a countout. Uh, well, in a singles match that ends in the double countout. Peyton Banks is in his corner. Robert Roode, like Robert Roode and James Storm are hard to judge because it's right before Beer Money, pretty yeah. much. And. So they're both not quite there yet. But Bobby Roode's a good heel. Booker was kind of a shitty baby face. But playing the whole, like, he, I'm going to fuck Charmel thing, they did that to Booker a lot. But especially, remember Kurt in WWE yeah. when he was like, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> like, he was yeah, like, I'm, good, I'm having sex with Charmel. Like, he wasn't even beating around the bush. Right. Uh, and uh, which, I didn't mean for that, by the way, beating around the bush. Yeah. But just... 
Yeah, go. Well, and, and and here's the funny thing, and the whole Kurt Angle and Charmel storyline was pretty much done as a rib on Kurt because it had gotten back to somebody. Even though Kurt was married at the time, it had gotten back to Kurt. It had gotten back to somebody or to a certain uh, chairman who is way past his prime now. Uh, that Kurt had kind of had a fancy for African American women. Yes. So, what better way to? Uh, well, I mean, Jason Jordan is his son. Yeah. Well. So, what Story better line. way to exploit that than have him uh, basically stalk the African American wife of Booker T? Yeah. So that whole thing, yeah, that whole Kurt Angle Booker T storyline was pretty much just Vince found out Kurt had a fetish and decided to exploit that, which right. is one of the reasons why I never signed on for WWE because, because oh, you know, they God, don't need- bite my tongue. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't really love Booker T as a baby face at this time. I thought he, he could be a really good baby face like earlier in his career. Around this time, especially because uh, he still kind of spoke with the King Booker accent a little bit. Not really here. Yeah, and then they, they gave it back to him later on in the year. And it's like, you're not King Booker anymore, dude. You're Booker T. But it, it was yep. it was okay. The double count out was fine. I give this match a six. I thought it was good wrestling, but... yeah, I mean, they need to extend the... Uh, the storyline a little further. Yeah. Because I think they wanted to get it to, to lockdown. Yeah. Because then they had a match at uh, Destination X, which was a uh, Stand By Your Man strap match. Uh, and uh, Tracy was going to be in, was in Booker's Corner, and yeah. Peyton was with Rude. And the loser would have, would have his female representative take 10 lashes from a, from a strap and uh, Rude actually uh, knocked out Book with like brass knuckles or something. And, but he didn't want to, he didn't want Tracy to, Tracy to take the lashes. Yeah. So, but Cornette's like, it was agreed to it. You guys agreed to it. Tracy's got to take the lashes. Booker, you got to go to the back. And that's when Charmel made her comeback. Yeah. And she went after Peyton, and she actually started whipping Rude. That's cool. I think she whipped Rude, but, like, she went nuts, and she just started whipping people. And then Cornette tried to stop her, so then Charmel started to whip Cornette. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I know, like, you're going to want to go back and watch this now. Yeah. Cornette was funny as the Cornette? Here's the funny thing. Cornette made a really good uh, uh, TNA management representative. Yeah. Because he was like, you know, he was always fair, always laying down the law, didn't really play, you know, didn't really play favorites. But when you pissed him off, just like if anybody pisses him off on his podcast and he goes off. Yeah. Like there was one time uh, Booker – and uh, Team 3D were in his office and they wouldn't get out. And 
Cornette was in the ring cutting a promo, and Nash is just like, I can get them out of your office if you want me to. I just, I need you to do something for me. So Cornette did what he wanted. He goes, all right, can you get them out of my office? He goes, Jim, ask me nicely. And Cornette goes, <laughs> Cornette goes, Kevin, will you please go back and get those three jackasses out of my office? And Nash goes, I would be glad to. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> that is funny. Mainly because Cornette and Nash hate each other. Do they really? Uh, yeah, yeah, they are not friends. Oh, wow. That's funny. You learn something every day. Wow. Did everybody give this a rating? I mean, I'm, I'll am i give it a six and a half. I'll give it a six and a half. I won't give it a five. Right. Now, next up, our co-main event. We have the Motor City Machine Guns, Shelly and Saban, and Jay Lethal against Johnny Devine and Team 3D. The stipulation here is if the machine, if the guns and Lethal lose, the X Division's gone forever. But if they win, whoever gets the pin wins the title, right, Doug? Yes. And then Bubba and Devon have to have a weight limit. Yeah, they cannot wrestle under two. Or they cannot wrestle over. 275 pounds, which, you know. Bubba looked like he was hitting about 350. (laughs) Bubba Bubba would be over 275 pounds even just with one foot on the scale. That piece of shit. Oh, and he's in good shape now. But, like, at that time, he was getting big. Yeah. But he was a good talker. Personally, this was my favorite match on the card. And it was a great match. Here's the thing. This is the third pay-per-view in a row that they've done this six-man. At, uh, at uh, uh, Turning Point, uh, uh, which was December of 07, it was a six-man table match, which... Uh, T3D and Johnny Devine cheated to win because the referee got knocked out and, uh, you know, one of them got put through the table. But then T3D hit a 3D on, on, I forgot who they hit it on, but then they put the person that hit the 3D on in the place where, like, the table had been broken, so the referee thought that that person went through the table. Yeah. Then they did an Ultimate X match at Final Resolution in January. And uh, in the Ultimate X match, you're not supposed to, like, you're supposed to climb the wire. You're not supposed to use a ladder. Yeah. Fat ass use the ladder. All right. Again, without the referee looking. Yeah. Which I don't know how the referee misses that because you're not going to see a fucking, you know, 650-pound fat piece of shit hanging off the fucking high wire without the fucking thing coming down and then probably the lights and the entire structure of the impact zone coming down with it. Yeah. They weren't in the impact zone, nope. though. For final resolution, they were. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, but like, so this was pretty much, they wanted to get, and between now and then, Jay Lethal had lost the X Division title. To divine. Yeah. In a singles match. Because even at Final Resolution, the X Division title wasn't on the line. Uh, 
or like team three doers are allowed to keep possession of it. Yeah. Uh, for some fucking reason, but they were doing good because they had an issue with the X division because the Motor City Machine Guns had beaten them. Yeah. In November. So because they were not happy about the Motor City Machine Guns beating them, they took the X division title hostage. And Jay Lethal was doing the black machismo thing. He had this huge crush on SoCal Val. He kind of treated her as his Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, and it was... Black it, machismo. Black machismo. And this match... Yes, this was probably the best match on the card. It was. Because say what you want about Bubba and, and Devon. Bubba was an amazing heel. They were so Bubba's good. Bubba's got to be one of the greatest heels of all time. He is. And he's such a good talker. And, like, just the line that if God was a heel, he would have been a Dudley boy. It's yeah. just like he was really good at talking. And the match itself was good. The, I mean, the guns fucking disappeared halfway through right? after those couple of 3Ds. You know what but, makes Bubba such a good heel, though? What? No redeeming qualities. Yeah. Which is it, like, you know, and you could say, okay, he's probably a, a, a good person, like, in real life. Because, you know, Roddy Piper was a good person in real life. Yeah. Uh, you know, other guys that are, you know, that were great heels on TV, you know, they were good people in real life. If you listen to that fat piece of garbage talk, he's yeah. not a good person in real life. So what makes him is the best heel is that I don't think this motherfucker has any redeeming qualities whatsoever. So it's easy for him to get so much heat. And I think MJS the same way. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, you gotta, you also gotta think that th- that's what he wants you to hear too. Yeah. He's still, it's still like, even shoot interviews. It's all extensions of the character. You're not at the Thanksgiving table with Bubba Ray Dudley. You don't know who you are. Well, I wouldn't be able to get anything to eat if I were at the Thanksgiving table with Bubba Ray Dudley. It's the whole fucking thing. (laughs) Right. But you don't know who he really is as a person to actually make that comment. He's a shitty... You don't agree with I'm going by, like, what I've seen in, like, interviews. You don't agree with his opinions on wrestling, that's right. Uh, And he can be annoying and loud and, and shit like that. He might be a good person, though. He could... You know, run an orphanage. You don't know. Uh, yeah. I, well, I mean, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when he said that John Moxley uh, disappointed the wrestling fans by entering himself into rehab to try to get himself back. That was ridiculous and stupid, and I agree. Uh, but he was a damn good heel, and he was good here, and I thought they they had a good match and they had good chemistry. Yeah. And Jay Lethal, first of all, this this was probably the best run Jay Lethal was on. He, I mean, he looked like unstoppable. He was the whole like, like I said, Saban and Shelley kind of left, and then it was just up to him to beat the shit out of everybody, and he did a great job. Yeah, and I thought he was fucking amazing. I thought this was really Jay Lethal's coming out party, and well, then SoCal coming at the yeah. end to him and stuff, and. I, I really liked it. I, this is my favorite match. I give it an 8 out of 10, and I thought Lethal did a great job. Yeah, because uh, when Bubba just went all stick and perverted, you know, kind of doing like what Jake Roberts did to Elizabeth at that Tuesday in Texas. Yeah. When, like, he was going to hit her with the cheese grater and all that, and he was licking the side of her face. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe in the back she got, like, butter on it or something, and he just wanted, you know, 
he got hungry. Yeah, he's tough. Uh, so, like, but Jay Lethal just kicking it into high gear. Because, again, this was the same guy that, uh, like, five months prior beat Kurt Angle. Yeah. To win the exhibition title. So this was that just showed their faith in this guy. And by the way, he was only 22 at the time. He was still a kid. Yep. 22. He's, yeah, and he's he's only a year older than me. Got your hair cut too. Well, now he does. <laughs> yeah, I thought this match was good. What did you think, Clemens? I, I enjoyed it. This, uh, who, who, who can turn out a good street fight? A six-man street fight like that. Especially with Team 3D in it. I agree. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was my favorite match in the card. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I, I thought that they were, along with Christian, I thought Team 3D actually tried to make TNA good. As opposed to other people yep. that came over. I, uh, I would say them, Christian, Kurt Angle. Uh, I think you got to throw Rhino in there, too. Who returned tonight. What match did he return in? Uh, he helped Eric Young retain the drinking title. Okay, yeah, that was dope. Uh, I'm glad we actually mentioned that. Johnny Devine was asked, though. He was not good at all. He wasn't good in the pay-per-view we watched uh, from 2006. And he sure as hell wasn't good here. Yeah. Not a fan. All right, made a fan time, boys. Did we all give it a rating? I'm, I'm saying... I'll give it a nine. I'll give it a nine. I'll give it a nine, too. All right. Made a fan time, boys. We have Kurt Angle with Karen who they've been fighting all day, but he finally, uh, or he, what did he say, that they would redo their vows or some uh, shit? Redo their vows the following Thursday on Impact because it was Valentine's Day. So she got all excited. Yeah. By the way, his segment with JB, talking about JB, and it, he's got a book called JB's Guide to Banging Broads. Yeah. We need to find that book. It, 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 you know the book doesn't exist, right? It'd be fucking awesome if it did that. JB was hilarious. I mean, I never, I always found him to be just another, like, little announcer. You know he started in WCW. I didn't know that. By the way, he we saw a friend of the show on this pay-per-view quite a bit. Yeah, Scott Hudson. Scott Hudson. Former was, guest of the show. Yep. Yeah. We've had some big talent over here. Dude. He's the announcer. Christian hey, Christian wished him the best of luck in his career. <laughs> Is um, JB still in TNA? No, he's actually he was working as a producer for for uh, NXT. Okay, but the match itself, Kurt and Christian, this goes about twenty minutes. Samoa Joe's the special outside enforcer. They're kind of building up to Samoa Joe and Angle for the title. Yeah. Uh, this is Christian's second uh, time going for the title. By the way, they wrestled it against all odds in two thousand seven. 
Yeah. But uh, they wrestled the month prior or before or whatever the fuck. And AJ fucked Christian over. Now, AJ fucked Christian over, but Tomko and him are still cool, right? Yes. Even though Tomko yeah. and AJ were tagging together, they're tag champions, Tomko seemingly heel, but I guess he might be a babyface too, even though he's beating up a 67-year-old man in the opener. Yeah. Which made no sense. Oh. Uh, but somehow, Tomko comes out. And by the way, the match was perfectly wrestled. I thought it was a good match. I thought it, I thought Kurt and Christian had good chemistry and they were fun in the ring. The big reveal being that fucking... Like, AJ tries to... Like, I was so in the match. I would, Like, this to me, this was the best match on the card besides the finish of it. But really good wrestling. AJ comes to springboard in and starts to, you know, fuck, fuck with shit and fuck over Christian again. Joe stops him, pulls him off the thing, throws him over the barricade, and they start fighting on the outside. And they go into the crowd. And then Tyson Tomko comes out. And the big twist of this whole pay-per-view was that Tomko's really a bad guy, even though he was already a fucking bad guy. All right. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier about the issue where Tomko had a problem with Kurt Angle calling Tomko's wife a stripper. Yeah. Uh, well, it didn't stop him from fucking helping him. So they had a match uh, a few weeks prior on Impact. Christian helped Tomko win. Christian said to Tomko, the next week, three days before uh, against the odds, I need you in my corner. We need to get this thing back together. Because, you know, they were aligned for a long time. Yeah. Let, let's uh, let's bury the hatchet. Let's kind of re- reunite here. Tomko said yes. Yeah. He's like, I got your back. And he helped Christian on that episode of Impact. So that's why Christian had Tomko... Well, he thought Tomko had his back. That's why everybody was shocked, because Tomko had been coming to Christian's aid. Yeah. But still, like, AJ's his tag team partner, bro. And AJ's fucking everybody. And AJ's fucking them over. You don't think they talk in the car? Oh, I'm pretty sure they do. It was stupid. And even, like, if it made sense, why is Tomko such a big deal? That guy sucked. <laughs> Even in WWE, he sucked. And what was funny was in w- the last thing he did in WWE is he was Gene Snitsky's tag team partner. Yeah. And uh, there was that one segment where uh, they're in the locker room somewhere. Cena opens up the door and sees uh, Snitsky giving Tomko a back rub. Like, he was okay with AJ. But it's like he was just – he's always just a, a henchman to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really like the big, like, because Tanae and Wes were like, the NWO just formed again, almost. Like, oh, my God, what? What? Like, they're fucking going off. Like, they didn't just, it's like, oh, a bad guy did a bad guy thing? Okay. And he, like, it just, I thought it was kind of stupid. But I thought the match was really good. I would give the match a 7 out of 10. Actually, I'd go 8 out of 10 for the match. But the ending, to me, the finish blew. 
But what, what were your guys' thoughts? I would say eight out of ten because I do agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it made no sense because even like when I saw this whole thing like back in the day, I had immediately said to myself or whoever was watching with me, I'm like, Tomko's going to turn on him at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Yep. That just made more sense. It was obvious. Yeah. I mean, Samoa Joe... Samoa Joe beating the shit out of AJ was kind of... It was cool. Yeah. He did a hell of a job as an enforcer. Yeah. Uh, Karen Angle's just annoying. Uh, Which... And I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Like, anybody that gets mad at, you know, at Jeff Jarrett for stealing Kurt Angle's wife. Kurt Angle owes Jeff Jarrett a Christmas card with $1,000 gift cards in it every year for pretty much taking away his life sentence. Is like, that a Karen fan? Oh, no. God. No. I mean... I mean, she was... She may have been I mean, hot. Really There's a lot of people out there that are hot, but once they start talking, they become the ugliest people on the planet. <laughs> uh, she happens to be Not one there. So, like, uh, but like she, but she did a good job here. And you got to remember too, here, Kurt and Karen. Like, yes, they were still kind of legally married, but they were going through their divorce, like, in this time period. Like, you could tell she felt uncomfortable being, I mean, she felt pretty comfortable in front of a camera. Yeah. Uh, But you could tell that being with her, she was feeling uncomfortable. She was like, I'm not even married to this asshole. Yeah. It was kind of bending reality, and I don't like it when they do that. No, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what would everybody give? I'd say the match. Yeah, I give the match an um, eight and a half. The ending put it down a little bit for me. Otherwise, the match was good. I'll give it a six. Six? I'll give it a six. All right. You already gave it a rating? Uh, I think it's at eight. All right. I'll go eight, too. Let's give our final thoughts on this thing and our rating for the pay-per-view. I'll go first. I thought front to back, there was a lot of filler here, but I also thought it was better than the last one we did. I don't know what I gave it, but... I thought that this pay-per-view, it had about three or four pretty good matches. I thought the main event, like a lot of the wrestling was really good. Some of the finishes were stupid, but the barbed wire match lived up to the hype. The six-man was, like, amazing. Uh, So, overall, I give this pay-per-view a a six out of ten, I'd say. Or, or, yeah, six out of ten. And, uh, go ahead. Um, overall, I thought this was a four or five match card. There was some filter, as you said. I didn't think the beer match should have been on there. The women's match, the first women's match, definitely shouldn't have been on there. And the opener shouldn't have been on. I, I think you 
take it down to about six or seven matches, it would have been uh, a better a better card. So I give it a seven and a half out of ten. I I like about last three matches. I did. I, I love. All right, Clinton. All right. To me, uh, going into my first TNA pay-per-view in over, like, 12 years, I want to give it a 6 out of 10. It had some good matches, good things. I liked but my memories because I did watch, started watching TNA when Kurt Angle first joined. So, like, AK Styles, Wire Massacre was always one of my favorites as well. The six-man with the... Um, Team 3D, a great match. Um, Scott Steiner was okay. But some matches that need to go on. So uh, on, on that, I'm just going to say she's out of time. All right, Doug, take us home. All right. I did enjoy this pay-per-view. I felt like 2008, or at least like the the first half of 2008 was like, one of their I, there were parts of 2008 that made it like one of their best years. Yes. Okay. Uh, I personally think that their best year, their best pre Hogan year, was 2007. Okay. But like 2008, I I do feel like they did some good things, and you got to remember too, Sting was one of like their main attractions, and Sting wasn't there. Yeah. Sting was on a vacation. So he, uh, and so like they're pretty much doing this without some heavy hitters, and you know Samoa Joe didn't ever uh, he was you know involved in the storyline, but uh, yes, there was some filler on here. I I loved the Eric Young James Storm match. Barbarian Massacre was good. I loved the Six Man main event was good, except for the ending. I love I loved o- ODB and uh, and Awesome Kong. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I did enjoy quite a bit of this pay per view. I'm giving it a seven and a half out of ten. There you go. All right, great episode, guys. Make sure to check out the Wrestling Outlet on Wednesdays and Saturdays if they ever do Hollywood Hangout again. Uh, make sure to check out Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch for our buddy Sean and his gaming content. Make sure to check us out 6.30 p.m. for the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Uh, tomorrow on Unscripted Unlimited, Saturdays, probably at 7, we are going to be doing our Big Brother character, or character, Big Brother house guest tier list. We're going to be doing a redo. Uh, so we're going to try to finish it all in one, but we will probably do two parts. But it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. Uh, me and Mindy are going to be back for the Stabcast on Sunday. Uh, I think it's to be determined. We were thinking sick by Kevin Williamson, but we'll see. Uh, written by Kevin Williamson, actually. And uh, the Web Cave will make its grand return tomorrow afternoon. I'll schedule the episode, Eric. Don't worry about it. But uh, it's going to uh, be me and Bobby. We're going to be talking about Green Arrow finally do the green arrow episode we're going to be talking about deadpool versus the marvel universe kills the marvel universe uh green lantern phantom lantern and a lot more so make sure to check all that out 
And next week we will be back to what ifs in wrestling. Yeah, we can. Oh, we can do the what ifs. Was that the plan or no? It was a plan. Yeah, I don't remember. We're going to be doing wrestling what ifs next week. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. All right. Later. 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 Later.